This is the Getsy Health Podcast with Janique and Tristan Roney. Hi, welcome to the Gutsy Health Podcast. Welcome back. We have a really exciting lineup today because it's the one thing that everyone gets confused by and overwhelmed by, and nobody knows where to start. Basically, what we're going to do today is tear apart all of the different diets out there, especially the ones that are really popular right now. Mm -hmm. And we're going to discuss some of their pros and cons. And to be very clear, there are pros to all of these. There's a reason why they're popular. So we're not here to just diss everything and talk about how everything is terrible except for ours, right? We don't have an hours actually. Right. We So the number one thing people ask us when they come into our clinic is what is the perfect diet? But people don't realize that there is no perfect diet for everyone on the face of the planet. There are so many factors that go into how someone should eat. So what we want to do is we want to deconstruct all of the fads out there, the ones that you hear about all the times, the buzzword ones, the ketos, the paleos, the autoimmune, the vegans, um, veganism. I shouldn't say the vegans. The vegans. The vegans. You know those people. <laughs> we want to break down each fad diet, each fad culture around each diet, go into basically what the research says and what that means for you. And then talk about the common denominator in every single diet, because there are good things. There are bad things. There are good things for you from each diet. And then there are bad things for you from each diet, but your body isn't the body next to you. So you have to take those things into account. You have to take into account your own hormones, your own gut biome, um, your lifestyle, like what you've been previously exposed to, et cetera. Do you have autoimmune issues? Um, do you have chronic inflammation? Those kinds of things. Right. So, so really our goal today is to kind of get rid of the dogma around different nutritional approaches. Yes. We want to, we want to take the religion, the cultish aspect <laughs> of food out of it because Ooh, look at all these inflammatory words. I know. <laughs> Throw those up on the podcast notes. So we get lots of hits, but, uh, but really that, that is our goal. We wanted, we wanted to get away from this idea that there is a one true diet that is perfect for everybody. And we, want to help everyone to realize that you are a unique person and therefore you deserve a unique diet, one that matches what your body's looking for right now. Exactly. So which one should we get into first? Oh man, there are so many to choose from. Maybe we should start with one that's just a lot of fun to talk about right now. The buzz, the buzz about keto. That keto. One? <laughs> Everybody's talking about keto, keto these days. I'll be honest. I've done keto myself. I did it for a few You've months earlier everything. this year. You I were vegan for I did, a year. I did vegan. I'm, I'm a little bit of an extremist. Yeah. I like to bounce from... Uh, church to church when it comes to my food. You do five day fasts every three months. Well, that one, I'm, I'm still pretty devoted actually to that one. Yeah. I've got I, another one coming we up. We actually soon. really like fasting and we're going to talk about that today. Yeah, we are. We're actually going to talk about fasting. It's mm -hmm. not really a nutrition no. thing, but it, I think it fits into this. And, and it's and, important because, um, because it has so many health benefits, yet um, everyone under the sun is like, well, let's all go on a fast. And it's like, wait a second. There are some of you that shouldn't do that. So we'll, right, we'll talk about first things first. Are. Let's let's talk about keto. Okay. So rain it in. What is keto? Do you want to talk about what keto is? You can do. Want it. me to talk about what keto yes. is? All right. So the whole purpose of keto. Well, 
we should say the history of keto came about because they were trying to heal something, right? Yes, they were trying to heal seizures in um, in people, and they found that decreasing carb intake actually stopped seizures um, immediately. Now, do you happen to know was it actually the decreasing the carbs, or was it the increasing of certain types of fats that made the difference? It was both, ah. wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. I think okay. it was. It was not a test. Yeah. I actually, I, I haven't read that particular study I'm like, recently. Are you, are so. you like, is this a trick question? You got to see. <laughs> <laughs> no, so so I believe that actually what happened was they got people's bodies to start producing ketones. And maybe we should talk about what that is. But it was the ketones themselves that were healing people. Exactly. Right. So So let's talk about what it is. When you cut out carbs or at least reduce your carbs drastically and increase your fat intake quite a bit. And the specific numbers on this are going to vary quite a bit. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the basic idea is that over time, your body gets to this point where there is a lot more fat available for energy than there is carbohydrate available for energy. So for most of us, our default is to utilize carbohydrates, right? Yes. We we convert those fairly easily into glucose and then our body... It takes the least amount of energy to make that energy put right. it that way. It's the, it's the least taxed method of energy production on your body. And if we know anything about our bodies, it's that they are as lazy as they can possibly be. Right? So I want to, I want to come back to that because it's the least taxing route. Um, there are people that have so much stress on their body that using a more stressed route to get energy will not work for them. And so, so mm -hmm. you have to take that into account. So oh, yeah. we'll, we'll come back to that. We will. So keep going. So, so what happens is when your carbohydrate intake decreases enough, your body starts to say, wow, maybe this whole carb thing isn't working out for us. Maybe we need to see other people. And it starts looking at the fats and going, wow, that's an attractive looking source of energy. Right. And uh, without getting too crazy into the science of it, your body starts burning fat for fuel instead of carbohydrates for fuel. Exactly. And there are a lot of potential benefits that come with that, in addition to actually stopping seizures, which was sort of the original purpose. Mm -hmm. What they found is that it also can help with blood sugar regulation. Yes. And if there's any big major problem that has to do with health in this day and age, it is definitely related to... Sugar intake, refined sugar. carb yep. intake. Like, I mean, you just... Put any kind of sugar in your body and you will get flare-ups, exactly. get inflammation, you'll get all kinds of damage. So so diabetes and obesity, probably the two single most prevalent health issues in our society, both related to mm -hmm. poor sugar Relative. metabolism, poor sugar balancing in the body. Exactly. Right? So one of the big benefits people notice when they go onto a ketogenic diet is that that tends to improve quite a bit in most people, yes. which is awesome. Now, uh, there now, are now, yes. is it because of the ketones or is it because they decrease their carb, like their sugar intake and their processed sugar intake and their processed carb intake? Potentially that also they actually increase or decrease their total, uh, calorie intake. So, Potent yeah. Um, so you've got a lot of different things going on with it, yes. but, uh, the, the takeaway is that people do see big improvements there. They tend to lose weight. And, and that's why keto is so sexy because nobody cares about how you feel. Everyone cares about how you look. Mm -hmm. And that is so toxic. And that's where I draw the line because now everyone's trying to do keto and they're doing it wrong. They're doing it completely wrong. They have their macros completely wrong there and, and they get short-term gains and long-term problems. Now we don't want you to get the idea that we're going to 
criticize how you do things. Uh, that's not really our goal, but he won't. I will. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just we, kidding. We want to call out trends that we consider dangerous. And mm-hmm. there are definitely some trends involving the ketogenic diets out there that we think are dangerous. Yes. And they tend to come in when you look like you want to talk about that. No, no, I don't. I have something else in my mind that. Oh, okay. Going, All right. So, so what happens is people think fat's good, carbohydrates bad. As long as all mm-hmm. I'm eating are fats, then life is going to be great, right? And, and here's where where I have a problem with that because then people start eating lots of fat, lots of protein, and they have completely villainized vegetables because vegetables are mostly carbs. They're good carbs. They're complex carbs. They have so much nutritional value. Mm -hmm. But now, so there's a right way to do keto and a wrong way to do keto. And people that are doing it the wrong way, they're like, you have to restrict your carbs to like 20 to 24 carbs a day. That's about three, maybe four vegetables. That's not enough vegetables for you to heal your body and to sustain it long-term. So when they start to, villainize literally the medicine in your food, you know, your food as medicine, that's where I have like, I'm like, we got to pick this bone. And there, there are two particular issues with that, probably more, but two that come to mind. One of them is that it causes you to restrict the variety of vegetables that you get quite a bit. In fact, people tend to restrict the variety of all foods they get, right? They, they end up cutting their diet down to uh, five different types of bacon and cheese, cheese sticks, steak, and then maybe mm-hmm. some broccoli or cauliflower. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a problem because our body does require a broad variety of nutrients in order totally. to function properly. So, so this is what we see with people starting out in keto, right? They say, okay, I'm going to completely restrict my sugar intake, my carb intake. I'm going to increase my fats and my proteins. And they normally get this massive bump in the beginning for like the first one to two months. They feel awesome. They're well, losing weight. Once they get past the initial kind of keto, Keto, keto flu, flu yes. which is not fun, doesn't feel good. So, right. And yeah. so so they start losing all this weight and they feel good. And it's because of two things. One, because they're cutting out all of those really inflammatory sugars in the first place. And then and then they're getting that the keto what is it, Tris? The the benefits from keto. Because you so explained that really well. Well, I mean, I'm not sure which ones in particular you're talking about, besides being in ketosis. You've got Potentially the autophagy that right. comes in where your body starts cleaning house, right? It starts getting yes. rid of all the dysfunctional and broken cells and replacing them with new, healthier cells. It also helps people that have insulin resistance. It helps your body to balance that out again when you're going into ketosis. So there's a lot of short-term benefits with ke- um, ke- the ketogenic diet. Mm-hmm. But when you start going past three months with keto, four, and then you start going into four months, five months, six months, that's when we start to see the body breaking down because we're not getting the variety of vegetables anymore. We're not getting a lot of our micronutrients. You see, and keto is very much a macronutrient um, heavy subject. And so we've completely villainized our micronutrients because they're in our vegetables and our fruits. Um, We got our initial big bump in the first few months and then things start to go down. People start getting inflammation again. They, they don't recover quite as fast after workouts. They start getting brain fog. Their blood work starts coming back as abnormal again. And, and, and they get, they get frustrated. So what I want to kind of point out is when people do ketogenic diets, it's, it's a short term thing. It should never be a lifestyle change period. All right, well, it should be a means to an end. I, I, I'm going to 
partially disagree with that right. because it really, and I, I can already hear people out there screaming at you because their friend has been doing it for four years straight and, and has had has no never problems. been healthier. Right. Um, but uh, I guess the, the little twist I would want to put on that is this kind of idea of really strict, but potentially dirty keto where it doesn't mm. matter what you eat. It just matters that you're not eating any carbs. Absolutely. Yes. But there are so many different types of ketogenic diet out there and some of them are far more palatable long term. So we had this conversation the other day, right? There's uh, the version that Mark Sisson, who Mm -hmm. he started uh, Primal Blueprint was the book he wrote. He has a company called Primal Kitchen. You've probably used his products before. He's one of the thought leaders in the ketogenic world, and his version of it is a lot more uh, broad mm-hmm. than than what we've been discussing. So and he his, does about fifty grams. You can do up to fifty grams, and you don't you don't carp you don't count non root vegetables. Mm-hmm. So if it grows above ground and it's a vegetable, it doesn't count against your carb load. Yes. So that gives you a lot more leeway. Yes. Um, so smart keto versus not smart keto. <laughs> Can you tell Janique has an opinion on this? <laughs> I do. I do have an opinion on this because I'm so tired of people not going for vegetables and going for the cheese stick or the so, hamburger. So in my opinion, the best way to approach this would be to get as many vegetables in as you can without kicking yourself out of ketosis. And there are very simple ways to track that. They have blood test monitors that will tell you your your levels of ketones, which will tell you, are you in ketosis or not? So you can literally experiment with your diet to find out how much can I get away with, Yes. right? And if it turns out that's not very much, then you might need to reconsider the diet. But you might find that you can eat quite a bit of vegetables and still do really well on this. Yes. Now there's one more issue with keto. We're spending way too much time on this one particular diet, but there's one more big issue. And this one will come up time and time again, as we're talking about these different types of diets. And that is that people mistake protein for fat in that they say, well, Mm -hmm. it's meat, therefore it's good. Right. Right. But what you see over and over again, and this applies to so many different diets is that it is possible to get too much animal protein, mm-hmm. right? Not to say that animal protein is bad for you, but once you cross a certain barrier or certain kind of a threshold with it, yes. it starts to cause problems for you. And can create a lot of inflammation, not to mention mm-hmm. the quality of meat that you're eating. Because if you're not eating grass-fed, grass-finished beef, for instance, then your omega ratios are completely thrown off and it can create inflammation in your body. Right. So, so not all meat is created equal. Yep. So, yeah. So I, I think that that kind of wraps yes. up the, the keto talk. So, so, t- so some bullet points, mm-hmm. keto in short bursts, you know, up to three months, uh, use it kind of like a, a means to an end, not a lifestyle change. You can, and you can do keto like three months on three months off, three months on three months off. Right? That's one potential approach. Number right? two, don't villainize vegetables. Vegetables are our healing foods. They are they're the, they're the house of the micronutrients and the micronutrients is where the plant medicine is. And no, I'm not talking about like the ayahuasca kind of plant medicine. <laughs> That's a different episode. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> Careful. Um, so it's, it's where nature put all of our medicine in for our bodies to completely thrive. Not only that, but your microbiome thrives off of vegetables and plants because of all that fiber and that soli- the, the soluble and insoluble fiber, basically. Um, so if you are good to your good bacteria, your good bacteria is good to you. And it boosts your immune system and allows you to live a healthier, longer life. So. Awesome. And that's that's the perfect transition. There's one oh. more. Uh, Sorry. One ahead. more thing I wanted to say. There is actually some research out there that shows that high amounts of fat intake when not counterbalanced with fiber actually creates inflammation in your body. And that's why I have a bone to pick with keto because we we have to allow for that fiber and those vegetables to do their job, to do their trick. And so, and, and sorry guys, that's not just my opinion. That's research. (laughs) So, so there you go. So yes, there are people yelling at me all over the world right now. And, um, but don't yell at me, yell at the researchers. Okay. Do your keto, but don't villainize the veggies. Right. And so, so speaking of vegetables, this is going to transition us into the next diet fad. They have one other really incredible benefit. And this is a word I'm going to be throwing this out so much, partially because it's just a fun word to say, but it's also a really important concept that gets overlooked way too often in the health world. And that's the concept of hormesis. Explain what hormesis is. Hormesis is, I don't know the exact definition, but it's applying a little bit of stress to your body Mm -hmm. in order to basically force your body to adapt and become stronger. Mm -hmm. It's the concept that takes place when you go to the gym, right? You're either Mm -hmm. running hard, you're lifting weights that puts a stress on your body, but it's a good stress because your body says, wow, that was hard. We should prepare so that next time that happens, it's not as difficult for us. So your body builds up muscles. It increases its vasculature so that your circulation is better. And it does a whole bunch of other great things so that you are better prepared for the future. And this idea of hormesis, putting some stress on our bodies is all over the place when it comes to health, but it applies especially in vegetables because vegetables actually have some natural adaptations that they've created over the the evolution of Mm -hmm. their history in order to protect them from predators like us. Yes. And that means that there and you're are, talking about lectins. I'm talking about toxins, not okay. just lectins. I'm mm-hmm. talking about all kinds of biotoxins found in plant And foods. we're talking about natural biotoxins, right? We're talking about natural ones. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about like glyphosate, if that's what you're right. referring okay. to. No, these are the natural things, lectins potentially being among those, yes. that they actually stress our bodies, right? Bioflavonoids. Mm-hmm. And what happens is they do put a little bit of stress in our bodies and that particular fact is used against the eating of vegetables all the time. They say, well, this is bad for you. It actually is a a poison. Why would you want to put that in your body? So if you're, if you're confused as to what he's referring to, like, just think of beans, for instance, how many people have villainized beans right now? And yes, I understand like a lot of people can't digest them. And there's a reason why one, because of the lectins in there, but two, because they don't know how to prep it properly. We're not soaking our beans and we're not cooking them properly. And so we are exposing our bodies to these undigestible lectins that could be solved with heat. And then we're, our guts are flaring up and we're gassy and bloated. And then we're like, oh my gosh, beans are so bad for us. It's not the beans, it's the methodology. And so, because there, there's so much, what is the book that's really hot right now? It's that, uh, the the plant paradox. The plant paradox. Yes, Steve Gundry. It's yeah. it's the same thing when 
and, and a lot of people, you're going to be nodding your head. Yes. Uh, think about the last time you ate raw broccoli. Were you burping up broccoli for a while? Were you gassy? Were you bloated? Chances are you're, you're saying yes. And that's because there's all that fiber in the broccoli that acts as a natural preservative for the broccoli and nature. And so it allows for the bugs to not eat it quite as um, easily as like spinach, for instance. Um, but but what you need to do with broccoli, and this is what I tell most of my clients, is you need to cook your vegetables, especially if you are just transitioning to a heavily plant-based diet. Um, so I tell them 80-20, cook 80% of your vegetables, 20% are raw. If you're still having a problem with that, then do 90% cooked vegetables until your microbiome adapts, and then you can start going more and more raw. So let's say you are you have some autoimmune disease and that, that you're trying to heal through nutrition. You're cooking 90% of your vegetables and, and you're eating 10% raw. And then a few months go by and then you can go down to 80% where you're cooking or steaming or baking and then 20% raw. And then a few months go by and then you can go to 70%. So it's, it's, not, it's not the plants, it's the preparation. So, so really... What this comes down to is the difference between an agent of hormesis that is good for you and a poison that is bad for you is in the dose, right? Mm -hmm. It's about how much you get and in what time period you get it. Exactly. So time period, right? Mm -hmm. A a healthy person eating raw vegetables is going to be probably just fine. An unhealthy person who has had a lot of stress in their body, a lot of toxins, a lot of health issues, you try and get them to eat raw foods and their body is just going to crash and burn. And so that's, that's why, that's why I tell my patients 80% cooked or steamed or baked. Right. And that brings us to the next uh, fad, which is the carnivore diet. Now, the carnivore diet is a really fun one. This seems to have blown up about a year, maybe two years ago when uh, I think it was the daughter of, uh, what's his name? Peterson, Jordan Peterson. He's kind of a well-known psychologist, but uh, he came out and his daughter basically said that she had cured her terrible issues. She had health issues across the board and she cured it by eating nothing but meat. Uh, and then Jordan Peterson himself did the same thing. And he also, it, it resolved all kinds of health issues he was having. And then, you know, they weren't the first ones to do this, but, uh, things really exploded at that point. And now you have all kinds of people doing what's called the carnivore diet where they're literally just eating meat. They're, they're literally just eating meat. Some of them so strict that they're literally only eating steak. Mm-hmm. They don't even limit it to just meats, but it's a very specific kind of that. And they're getting good results. They're feeling better. Their digestion is improving. Their brain fog is going away. Their everything just feels better. Yes. And some of them, they've been doing it now for three or four years and they still feel fantastic. Mm -hmm. So what's wrong with the carnivore diet? You're asking me? Well, (laughs) I'm looking (laughs) at it. I feel like I need a whole different podcast for this (laughs) culture Okay, so so let's back it up. Let's take a really unhealthy person, right? They have they're they're born into this world and they're pumped with antibiotics. I mean, because what do we do? We put antibiotics on their eyes. Maybe they weren't a vaginal birth. They get their first ear infection at three months. They're given antibiotics. They get another ear infection at six months. They get an antibiotic. Um, they start getting strep throat at the age of two. They get more antibiotics. Their tonsils are taken out, and then you find out their appendix is taken out, and all of these things are like they're not only over-medicated with antibiotics, but now we're taking out all these actually really vital organs. And um, 
And now, not only that, but now they're getting food allergies, right? Food intolerances, because we are completely destroying the microbiome that helps their body to digest these foods, that helps their body to boost their immune system, because 80% of the immune system is your microbiome. Not only that, but your microbiome creates chemicals through a process called chemotaxis, which kind of signals your immune system to actually do its job. So now we're completely destroying the microbiome. Not only that, but we're poisoning the microbiome too with sprays such as glyphosate, which FYI, glyphosate is actually not a weed killer. It is patented as an antibiotic. So now we're spraying our food with antibiotics. We're eating these antibiotics. We're destroying our gut biome, as I keep saying. And now we create this massive intolerance to nuts and vegetables and fruits and everything under the sun besides sunlight. And so now we have these extreme cases where these people have to resort to a carnivore diet because they cannot metabolize anything else. So in other words, the carnivore diet is an extreme elimination diet. Extreme elimination diet. You remove foods until you no longer have discomfort. And Mm -hmm. it's actually a really great way to temporarily relieve symptoms, which is what happens there, and to figure out kind of where are the issues in your digestion, right? Right. What what particular areas need to be worked on. But but what the like what the carnivore diet allows the body to do is get out of inflammation temporarily because let's say, let's say this was your health history, right? Where you're on all these antibiotics, you eat tons of bread with tons of glyphosate. You're just a walking body of inflammation. So you can't eat vegetables. So you go to this carnivore diet and you feel amazing because now all the inflammation is down. All that associative stress in your gut is now settling down. It's almost like fasting, but you're not fasting. You're just eating meat. That, which, exactly. It's, it's basically, it's a fast mimicking diet. Right. So, But you're not, but it is. Well, no, but... but <laughs> Sorry, guys, are, I'm so, repeating <laughs> I don't know whose side you're on here. Um, I need more caffeine. No, so, I don't because that's bad for your adrenals, guys. Don't listen to me. So, don't listen to me. So it's also low residue because it has virtually zero fiber, which right. means that it's not going to create any kind of flare-ups in your gut. Exactly. And for people who have constant flare-ups, people with like mm-hmm. intense uh, intestinal whatever, bowel disease, right? Irritable yes. bowel um, they're going to get relief from this. And that's, Which that's research is actually showing you guys now that we just talked about irritable bowel syndrome or um, inflammatory bowel inflammatory, disease. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they're finding that IBS is an autoimmune disorder. Right. And, and I've been saying this for like ever and people are like, no, it's not. And it's like, actually the research is showing this is now an autoimmune disorder. Um, as, as we just learned from my massive spiel of antibiotics and like food toxicities and stuff like we're getting these autoimmune disorders because we are destroying our immune system and eating toxic foods and so therefore our gut is literally inflamed and on fire all the time yeah so you get relief there and then also uh the carnivore diet is ketogenic mm-hmm. it has very few if any carbs exactly. and therefore you get no all sugar the benefits literally of, no sugar yeah you get all mm-hmm. the benefits of ketosis with it so yes. so there are reasons why people are getting good results with it but uh as you can probably already tell from janique's tone it has its downsides as well and all of the same stuff really that applies to the ketogenic is going to apply here but in addition you have to worry about some serious nutrient deficiencies that can come along with it long term now in my defense you guys my, one of my missions is to create a massive love affair 
anywhere across America with vegetables. So anything <laughs> that demonizes vegetables, I'm, I'm not totally on board with, and I'm just going to roll my eyes. You can't see me rolling my eyes, but I am. But they do have their places, but not as a lifestyle change, okay? So it's, it's a means to an end. It's a means to an inflammatory issue that the body now needs time to heal, and then we can start reintroducing the micronutrient-dense foods again. Right. So there are, there are a lot of studies out there showing that uh, pure meat products, for the most part, cannot provide all of our nutrients. Mm-hmm. In particular, vitamin C. Uh, yeah. It's not very abundant in animal products, but in particular, it's very sensitive to heat. So unless you're eating your meat raw, mm-hmm. any vitamin C that's in there is most likely going to be destroyed. And vitamin C, as a lot of us already know, is extremely important to all kinds everything. of things. Out oh there. my gosh, from connective tissue to collagen formation to everything. Like every cellular function in the body needs vitamin C. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to make sure that you are not slowly decaying you need vitamin C. Yeah. There's also vitamin E, vitamin K2, calcium. Mm. All these things can be very difficult to come by in a pure meat-based diet. Exactly. And over time, that for most people is going to cause you issues. Now, once again, those people out there who have been doing this for three, four years without having issues are going to shake their heads and say, you don't know what you're talking about. But we have to talk to the average person. There, mm-hmm. there may be people. There on are there. exceptions to the rule. There's always going to be exceptions to the exactly. rule. There are people that thrive on every type of diet out there. They tend to be the ones also kind of prophesying about how great it is and evangelizing to get everybody else to follow them. Mm-hmm. Um because it's worked so well for them. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what what we find is that on average, people tend not to do well long-term. Now, one of the things that happens with both the ketogenic diets and this carnivore diet is that most people end up after about three months, they just decide that it's not working for them because it's a really difficult one to maintain while you are socializing with other people. Right. Um, it can get kind of monotonous and boring and uh, people just find that they start craving other options. So right. uh, that's either a good thing or a bad thing. Totally. Now, uh, I don't know how much time we want to spend on this. We've already spent enough, but you we can We haven't get, even talked about veganism. I know. Yet. Well, I'm talking about specifically the carnivore. There's, you know, liver and kidney issues potentially could come up. Mm. Um, thyroid. Oh, man. Okay, right. your thyroid needs carbohydrates. So if you have thyroid issues, mm. don't be doing that low-carb stuff. Right. Bad things will happen to you because without the carbohydrates, your thyroid cannot do its job. And if your thyroid is not doing its job, you're going to feel awful. No well, energy. And I just want to talk on behalf of all the moms out there who have been breastfeeding. We listen to all these podcasts, and, and no offense, guys. I'm really sorry. But of men talking about these diets and how great they are, and then us women with all our hormones, and all of our, our, I guess, baby making juices, like they're Ooh, just, <laughs> they just, a lot of these things don't work for our bodies. So it's, they're in a different league. I mean, going from keto to fasting, um, a lot of moms come to me with health issues and they think, and they ask me, do you think this would be a good option for me? Now I actually, I can't look at their blood at everyone's blood work that asks me this, but a lot of the times, no, like their bodies are going to crash and burn because one, they're still breastfeeding. So they need a higher caloric intake of highly nutritious foods. But two, a lot of them have like um, sex hormone issues, adrenal issues, thyroid issues, and you need to heal those things first before you can 
create some stress on the body to heal it in this manner. So there's that hormesis concept yes. again, right? Hormesis for a healthy body is fantastic. Hormesis for a body that's crashing and burning is not fantastic. And there are different types of stressors, right? There's We've already talked about a couple. The stressors that come from eating these plants that... Mm-hmm that create little mini levels of toxins in your body that your body responds to really well. Yes. And then there's the stressors that come from a low carb diet that, that puts stress on your thyroid, on your hormone mm-hmm. levels. And they can all, they all have their place, but exactly. you have to be in the right spot first, right? You don't, exactly. you don't go to the gym and start trying to lift 500 pound dumbbells. No, you do not. So for all you ladies out there listening that are being overwhelmed with children, <laughs> Like, do not be hard on yourself. It's okay to not be okay with fasting and carnivore diets and keto diets, okay? Um, Something that's more uh, geared for our bodies is more of an autoimmune paleo. If you are suffering with health issues, we'll go into paleo in just a little bit. Why don't we talk about veganism and vegetarianism? Let's 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 go from one extreme to the next. All of the meat lovers out there have been cringing and cursing throughout this whole podcast so far. We're going to make a lot of people angry, aren't we? It's... It's the meat lover's turn to have a little revenge, right? So let's talk about first the pros of veganism. Well, what is what is veganism? Let's talk about that. There's vegetarianism, there's veganism. So there's veganism the whole is plant based. What are they? So veganism basically is you don't eat anything that came from an animal. So not even honey. Like bees make honey, you don't eat the honey. Um, chickens make eggs, you don't eat the eggs. Uh, And then obviously you don't eat any animal protein, period. So that's what a vegan is. Vegetarians, now they'll eat honey, they'll eat eggs. Um, Dairy. Do they do dairy? Some do. Well, unless they're a... If they're a lacto-ovo vegetarian, then right. they'll do that. If they're a, a pesco-lacto-ovo, then they'll do fish, fish as well. Right? Right. There's a million different versions of it. We're yeah. not going to try to cover all of them. So we're, we're just going to do a general like vegan-vegetarian talking slash approach, okay? So let's talk about the pros then of a, a plant-based diet. And uh, I guess the obvious one would be that it, really helps with inflammation. Yes, a lot. It helps so many people with inflammation when done correctly. Now, you can be vegan and live off of Oreos, okay? Oreos are vegan. So there's a right way to do veganism and a wrong way. And a lot of, you guys, a lot of times when my patients come into my clinic and they're like, well, I wanted to get healthy, so I went vegan and I felt really sick. And I go, tell me what you ate. Basically, they didn't go vegan. They turned into a breadtarian where they're eating tons of bread and pasta and all of mm. these really crappy foods. Chips and salsa. Chips and salsa, oh, you guys. Them. I'm like and so salsa I Salsa is actually them, really great by the way. Yes. But but chips are not because of the corn and GMOs and, and another talk for another day. But but I asked them like, are you vegan or are you a Britarian? And most of the time people are Britarians and they're not eating enough vegetables and they're not and they're and if they're sick and they're trying to eat all of these raw vegetables, I have, I have so many people that come in and they're like, I'm eating all these vegetables and I feel really terrible and I'm bloated and I'm gassy. And I'm like, well, how are you prepping them? And they're like, well, I heard that going raw is the best. And I'm like, okay, if you came from like a diet of cookies and ice cream and you're trying to go raw, like there's like, we have to kind of break it to your body gently. So, um, so yes, eat the vegetables, cook the beans properly. Um, don't change your diet to just chips and salsa. 
And that's why there's a, a newer movement that they call it the whole foods plant-based diet. They're yes. trying to separate themselves from the vegan because vegan people can do that for a lot of different reasons, not mm-hmm. just for health reasons, right? They can do it because they, they want to be ethical and take care of the planet. So they won't eat another living thing and they want to make sure that we're sustainable so our children can inherit a world that continues on. It's a, it's a beautiful idea. There's nothing wrong with that idea. idea, but they don't necessarily care about the health benefits they get from it. So they're going to be eating a lot of really junk food in mm-hmm. some of those cases. Exactly. And so the whole foods plant-based people said, Hey, listen, we don't want to be lumped in with that because we want a plant-based diet, but yes. we want it to be whole foods and whole foods are the best foods. Yes. Fruits, vegetables, n- legumes, um, nuts. And, and honestly, like when people switch to a whole food plant-based diet, they, their symptoms clear up drastically. And And just to be clear on what that is, a whole food is something that doesn't need to have a label at the grocery store. It grew from the ground. Yeah, exactly. The only ingredient is itself. mm -hmm. And and that, that can apply to animal products as well. You can have chicken that is a whole food, but Mm -hmm. that's why they're specifically plant-based and whole food. So so that's that's what that is. Now, what are some of the other advantages of a good vegan diet? We've talked about the anti-inflammatory. Um, you're asking me. I, <laughs> why do but I? I you, yeah, you, I guess I'm ahead. quizzing you today. You are. I, I've so, never done veganism. This is like the guy who used to be vegan asking me, why didn't you tell us? So, so really one of the biggest advantages of it is that it makes it really easy to get a broad variety of nutrients into your mm-hmm. diet. Because there are so many different plants out there that we can eat, and they all have different positive benefits that come with them, right? There's yes. eggplant, and there's onions, and mm. there's, I don't need to list I'm off vegetables, hungry. you know what they are. Yes. Um, there's also the fruits that come with their own benefits. And mm. the more of these varieties we get into our diet, the yeah. more likely we are helping to manage some kind of a deficiency in our body, right? Unless we're really in tune with our body or we're doing a lot of testing, it can Mm -hmm. be extremely difficult to know what your body is looking for, what it's a little bit low on. Now, we spoke about this a little bit on Instagram the other day. A fruit is not a vegetable, guys. So you can't count fruit. (laughs) You can't become fruitarians because that's a lot. Like, yes, it's it's fruit. It's sugar from fruit, but it's still fructose. Mm -hmm. And it still taxes your liver pretty heavily. So what I tell my, my clients is eight servings of um, vegetables a day. And with your fruit, you want to keep it at four. If you're doing eight servings of fruits a day and then four of vegetables, you're going to, you're going to start running into problems within a few years. So yes, it's better than most things out there. But if you are really trying to heal your body from some kind of, um, autoimmune issue or inflammatory issue, you, you want to make sure that at the basis of everything, I, whenever I, I show people a plate, I say half the plate is the holy grail of untouchable vegetables. Like on every meal you eat, half of it needs to be vegetables. You don't change that ratio. And then there's everything else on the other side. So fats and nuts and legumes and fruits and whatever, but the holy grail of untouchable vegetables is never touched. And so, Fair and enough. so, so yes. So don't be fruitarians. 
if you're vegan. That's right. Fruits have their place, but they will never be vegetables. Exactly. So, uh, you know, so you have all these different varieties of things you're getting in and they're wonderful for you. You also have those, that hormesis. I'm not going to keep pounding that, but it does apply here with the vegetables. Oh my gosh. Let's talk about fiber for a little bit. So can I, do we have enough time for me to talk about gut health? Really okay. briefly. Okay. So with your microbiome, cause I'm all, I'm all about gut health guys. So there's two things that need to happen. One, you need to feed the microbiome, the soluble and insoluble fiber, but that insoluble fiber also kind of acts as like a broom within your intestinal wall. So it, it helps to clean you out and pull out toxins with it. Um, now, toxins are man-made toxins and also, also toxins from metabolic waste in your body just because you're alive and you're breathing, right? From oxidative stress or w- you name it. Actually, some toxins that are produced by your liver because you're eating sugar or you're eating fructose, for instance. Um, I, I forgot what the toxin is. I think it's like, uh, I, I can't remember. But you need those fibers to help pull that out of your body. And so... What you get from fruits and vegetables is you're feeding the good bacteria, the good foods, and then you are cleaning out the intestines with the insoluble fiber. And so it's this beautiful synergy of health and wellness that your body was literally designed over millions of years to coexist with. And so when you have imbalance, I always say, go back to nature. Nature was the ultimate healer. And so that's, that's what I think the beauty is with vegetarianism, veganism, but I think meat has a very important part to play. Well, real quick though, one more advantage of the kind of the vegan whole foods plant-based approach is that there is a correlation. Keep in mind, this is a correlation, not a causation between low protein intake and longevity, meaning how long you live overall. Mm -hmm. The lower your protein intake, the longer you tend to live until you hit the age of 65. Yeah. And then studies show that that actually reverses and yeah. higher protein leads to higher longevity. Because that's the age where muscle wasting just kind of snowballs. Maybe. So. The thing is, we actually don't know. True. And in another episode, we're going to talk about science and these studies and how limited they really are. Mm-hmm. We don't know anything. Yes. But we can see these overall patterns. And that is one that we see that tends to favor this idea of lower protein. So one thing before we transition over to paleo that I wanted to bring out with veganism. Oh no, I have a lot more to say about veganism. Oh, okay. So (laughs) I want to talk about vitamin A very quickly because we think, oh, there's tons of vitamin A on a vegan diet. And everyone says carrots. So you guys, carotene is not vitamin A. Carotene is a precursor to beta carotene, which is a precursor to vitamin A. So you have to juice like several pounds of carrots in order for it to amount to like two ounces of vitamin A in like beef or something or liver. So it's really, really hard for your body to convert, especially if you are an American that lives in America and has a terrible digestive tract because of our standard American diet. And now we're trying to force our bodies to convert carotene to beta carotene to vitamin A. It's not going to happen. It's going to tax your body a ton. You're going to need to juice a lot of carrots. And the issue with juicing carrots is carrots are very sugary too. Mm -hmm. So you're flooding your body with sugar and you're flooding your body with this precursor to vitamin A. And we're thinking that we're getting all these vitamin A benefits when we're really not. So the best source of vitamin A is actually from, drum roll please, (laughs) liver. (laughs) How many of you guys have eaten liver? 
I mean, liver is like the most nutri- one of the most nutrient dense foods on the planet. Liver is incredible. It's like off the charts for vitamin A, and like you absorb it like that. And so, um, so when it comes to someone that is unhealthy that hasn't been able to absorb for a really long time, they have autoimmune issues, and they want to go vegan. Um, I'm going to try and sway them away from that because there are like, for instance, liver, like. I, I actually put a lot of my clients on liver capsules because of the nutrient density of that. And it's so easily absorbed and digested because as we spoke about the carnivore diet, it's a very non-complex food to digest. And a quick note on that. A lot of these diets that we've already covered, the carnivore and the keto in particular, they have been used in history. Well, carnivore, not necessarily, but really high animal food diets, but all of the cultures that did that, the, the paleological research shows they focused on the organs and the fats specifically. Yeah. They were not big fans of the muscle protein. Right. They, they, in fact, some of those cultures would toss it to the dogs because it wasn't high quality enough. And now everyone's going, ew. But like, think about <laughs> it. Like our, our generation does not eat organ meat. But our grandparents did. Our grandparents did all the time. Yep. All the time. Now, what is becoming more popular is bone broth, right? We're now eating more bone broth. I remember in South Africa, um, if you don't know, that's where I grew up, you guys. And my my friends in the African culture would buy um, KFC and they would eat the meat and then they would eat the entire chicken bone. And I remember thinking, that is so strange. But it's not like that is very common in a lot of cultures that are not our culture. And it's really healthy for you. There's so much nutritional value in that bone, in the bone marrow, in the organs that we are completely bypassing and it's affecting our health. So do you want to talk about what the Native American Indians did for women that were infertile? They would eat animal they, they would eat bear they would eat bear ovaries bear ovaries yeah yes. so when when there were native american women in their tribes that w- had fertility issues they would be fed the the ovaries from bears to help with their fertility and they would see an incredible um what should like improvement, improvement. i was going to say return pregnant yes exactly yeah. and so so organs have been used in medicine around cultures all over the world Except ours. <laughs> Except ours recently. Because we, we, of, we like to use toxic medications instead. Well, and we, we like our pre-packaged foods, yes. right? And uh, so these days, the organs have fallen out of fashion, and I think it's to mm-hmm. our detriment for sure. Totally. Now, coming back to the vegans, though, there are a couple of things that you also need to watch out for in addition to the the nutrient deficiency. There's vitamin A. There's also the vitamin D issue. There's B12. It's... Any diet, in my opinion, where you literally have to supplement to not get sick, there's a problem with that. And you cannot get enough B12 with a whole foods plant-based diet. You can't. Even the big, even the big uh, proselytizers of a vegan diet, like Dr. Greger, will admit that you need to supplement the B12. You have to mm-hmm. do it because you just cannot get a good source of B12 from right. plants. The only sources are are animal products, shellfish. Mm-hmm. You could do that, but that's still an animal product. So um, you got to watch out for that, and then you also have to watch out for the the grains, right? So many mm. vegan foods, especially if they're already prepared for you, they've got soy, they've got corn, 
They've got wheat. The, the wheat, and it's like there's not, a lot of B vitamins in in grain products. There are, but, and like the and our grain products in our culture and our country are so tainted. Like I, I keep going to glyphosate. We are drenched. We're we're using glyphosate as a desiccant on our wheat fields and all of these these um, grain fields, basically. And so, so we're and, and not only that, but the soil is so nutrient depleted as well. Mm-hmm. So we're growing nutrient depleted wheat and grains, and then we're drenching it with glyphosate, and then we're ingesting it. And so it doesn't serve us, and that's why so many people uh, are, you know, we, we hear about celiacs and gluten-free and stuff, and, and we're having this issue, like it just exploded in the past 15 years, and we're having this issue because of the association, right? It's not mm. because of the gluten, mm-hmm. it's because of the association with the glyphosate. And so, but your body can't Although deconstruct. Gluten that. does have its own issues, like yes. zonulin, which opens up those gaps in your Yes, intestinal exactly. wall, so you get the leaky gut thing. That's a whole other conversation for but, another time. But that is not the cause of most of the issues we're seeing, which is the glyphosate. Right. right, and so so unless you can get your grain or your flour from a farm that you trust, that you know personally, um, don't don't buy conventional flour or grains. It's it's so toxic for you. Yeah, and really for a lot of people, they need a break from it altogether until mm-hmm. they can heal up that gut. Exactly. Just like we've it's been very saying throughout this whole episode is that there there are certain categories that create more problems than they solve until right. you are at a certain state of health. Right. And grains tend to definitely fall in that category. Exactly. As do dairy products. and Yeah. So when I had Graves' disease, I had to cut out all grains in my diet now, people ask me, do I eat dairy and wheat now? And I do very sparingly. You know, like I actually like to introduce it to my family about once every other month because I still want to remind their bodies on how to digest it. But it's quant- it's it's quality over quantity, right? And so get high quality, do it sparingly. But again, I, I try to retrain my kids and keep um, myself very vegetable dense, fruit dense, mm-hmm. plant dense basically. Yeah. So one more, one more thing to keep in mind with the vegan diets are the oils that you consume because you're not going to be doing butter. You're not going to be doing the animal fats, but there are plenty of really bad oils out there Mm -hmm. that are hugely popular in vegan diets. And that's going to be your industrial seed oils. The things that come from your corn and canola and your uh, soy and the what other oils fall into that category? Sunflower and safflower. Mm-hmm. Now the issue with these and, is that you guys go like go go to the store and try and find a product like chips or anything that doesn't have sunflower oil in it. Everything has sunflower oil these or days. safflower, which is virtually and, and the they're same thing. super inflammatory. And and so what happens is you end up in order to get the fats out of these seeds, they have to use a really intense refining process and the fats that they pull out, they're polyunsaturated fats, which throughout the last 30 years we've been taught are really good for us. But the problem is that these fats are very, very unstable and they can go rancid so quickly. So what Mm -hmm. happens is they're rancid by the time you even buy them. But as soon as you heat them up, they go even more rancid. And then you ingest them, inflammation through the roof. Yes. Um, Not only that, while we're on the the topic of fats, um, in a vegan diet, it is really hard to get high amounts of cholesterol. And now we will have a a talk about fats all by itself and how we've completely villainized fat. Mm -hmm. But you guys, all your sex hormones... 
need cholesterol as, and not only that, but every single cell in your body needs cholesterol. And so in a vegan diet, it is really hard to get enough amounts of cholesterol to produce sex hormone. So we have a lot of women walking around with hormonal imbalances because of that deficiency. And a lot of people say, well, like, where do you get it from? Saturated fats. Well, I eat a lot of coconut oil. There are zero grams of cholesterol in coconut oil. Zero. So (laughs) where else do you get it from? You know, you have to get it from the saturated fats from animal proteins or from butter or from Mm. ghee or, you know, so, so that's, that is where, that is where we, we have that disconnect and it's where animal is actually very important. Actually, and never in the history of human beings ever have there been vegans or vegetarians. Like this is a new concept to humanity. This has just blown up in the past, what, 50 years. Mm -hmm. This is a brand new fad. It's a brand new diet. Our, our ancestors never, ever, ever on the face of the planet were ever vegans. Well, and why would they? Because they weren't concerned about having a pure diet. They were concerned about what can I eat Mm -hmm. that is available to me and is going to not kill my family. Right. Right. And so of course they're going to use all of the possible resources Mm -hmm. that, that help instead of harm. Right. And, and unless they lived in a place that literally had zero animals and I can't imagine that such a place exists, they're going to do it. But the other way is true as well. There has never been a culture that lived purely off of animal products. Mm -hmm. Even the Inuit who lived mostly off of animal fat, they would spend a lot of resources hunting down edible plants to eat. I think berries mostly because Mm -hmm. they knew that they needed those carbohydrates in order to really function at their, their optimal level. They also over time kind of evolved in, in a sense to, to thrive in that diet. But that's what you see all over the board is that extremes tend not to go Mm -hmm. well. They don't. Right. So why should we suddenly be extremists with what we're doing here? We should be trying to do what has worked throughout time. Right. And I guess that can take us to paleo. Paleo, which is my favorite. That's sort of the philosophy of paleo Mm -hmm. is let's do what our ancestors did because they seem to have a lot fewer issues than we did. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's see what's, yeah. So paleo kind of just marries the best concepts of all worlds, right? Where it's, it's very heavily plant-based, but incorporates animal protein as well within reason, you know, but again, it's, it's very heavily plant-based. And so, um, but then there's, there's paleo and then there's autoimmune paleo. So when you are considering the perfect, I guess, nutritional protocol for you, I don't want to say diet, but the perfect nutritional protocol, you have to kind of take a look at your body and be like, okay, how much inflammation am I in? What can my body tolerate right now? How many antibiotics have I been on in my life? What, what am I able to digest right now. And then, so you kind of have to do a very, I can't say watered down. What am I like purified paleo restricted, restricted. Thank you. Restricted where they take out the nuts, which can be more inflammatory. They take out the eggs, which can be a little more inflammatory. They take out the soy and they keep it to fats and proteins and vegetables, basically most vegetables. And so you start from there. If you, and I like to use scales, like on a scale of one to 10, how much inflammation do you have? If you're a full blown 10 and you got health issues through the wazoo, you want to start with autoimmune paleo. If you're like a four or five, you can probably handle nuts if you're soaking them and beans if you're soaking them and cooking them properly. So you have to look at your own health history, your own history with antibiotics and um, 
junk foods and and really take a look at your microbiome and be like do i have more good microbiome than bad microbiome and if if i have more bad microbiome than good then let me let me help proliferate the good stuff gently and slowly and so that's where you start with autoimmune paleo and, and now paleo has as many variations as there are stars in the sky. Right. So it's it's hard to talk about paleo as this monolithic approach to food. Right. The the really the only underlying principle is we want to eat what our ancestors ate. But that's kind of where the similarities end. And right. you always have to ask the question, well, which ancestors in which part of the world at which time period? Because right. it's it's always been in flux. But uh, what we find is the underlying trend with paleo diets is that they ate whole foods, right? I mean, that's what it always comes down to. Let's eat some whole foods yep. and they ate a variety of foods. Yeah, There may be certain categories that a lot of brands of paleo do not accept, mm-hmm. but uh, for the most part, they're, they're pretty broad. Now, the biggest downside of paleo, are we ready to talk about downsides? Sure. Because there, there's... Yeah. There's one glaring downside to it, and that's that people on a paleo diet tend to eat way too much animal protein. Mm-hmm. There it is again, yeah, right? Because they think, well, meat is paleo, so I'm going to mm-hmm. eat meat, and meat tastes good. It tastes so good. Yes. And so you eat a ton of it, and that's problematic because yes. you're getting too much of that protein. And right. we already know that protein is inversely correlated with lifespan. So. Right. You're basically shortening your own lifespan right. eating that. So if we go back again, we already talked about this, but you look at those ancient cultures, even the ones that ate a ton of animal product, they weren't eating the muscle meat, mm-hmm. which is the the lean protein that we all enjoy so much today. Right. They were eating the organs. They were eating what is often referred to as snout to tail. Yeah, exactly. Or nose to tail. Yes. And kind of like how I was mentioning earlier, the holy grail of untouchable vegetables, that's half your plate. I mean, let's look at ratios for a little bit. If half your plate is meat and a quarter is vegetables and then the other quarter is like fats and fruits, then our ratios are off. So if we can get more heavily vegetable based and then figure out and fine tune the other ratios of the other foods, mm-hmm. you're, you're at a pretty good start. So that, that we probably need to start concluding here because we're going a little bit over time, but yeah. the, the common denominator guys with most of these diet plans with the exception of the carnivore diet is the vegetable intake. It's, it's the plants, it's the, the greens and the fruits and all of these wonderful things that mother nature has grown for us. Well, and really it, it's the nutrient dense foods, nutrient dense, the micronutrients, many of which at least in our modern diet are the, the plants, Yes, but the organs really yes. let's, let's say plants and organs and plants then, and, organs. and then we'll all figure out that dilemma of how on earth do we eat organs without throwing up after every I meal. Know. <laughs> That's the challenge, right? But you, you can start with bone broth. I mean, bone broth, I, let's talk about, well, we can't talk about the GAPS diet, nope. but bone broth can be very anti-inflammatory. It helps soothe the gut. So especially if you have digestive issues, right? Um, bone broth is a really good gateway drug to going into more organ stuff. Mm. You can make it taste really good. So if you just start with like vegetables and bone broth and some meats, and then you can even do like encapsulated organs. So mm-hmm. there's the organ complex that we have in our shop that has liver, heart, and kidneys, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has liver, heart, and kidneys. And you just take four of those a day. And our people just love that stuff. They can tell such a big difference because 
super high in B vitamins, super high in vitamin A, so bioavailable. I mean, it's there's there's no downsides to it. Yeah. And so um we actually recommend quite a few organ supplements yes, like t- desiccated like, thyroid, mm-hmm. right? And uh, a lot of standard process, like standard process yeah. uses a ton of organs in their supplement formulas that we recommend to a lot of our clients and um and it's just oh my gosh, it's just so good. And and we don't even we don't even tell them that until they yeah. look at the, the 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 label. They're like, "There's ovaries in this," and it's like, <laughs> "Yes." And you'll think just us later. a little. Just, uh, <laughs> so so, kind of getting towards the end here. We're at, we're at the end, but uh, we we said we don't have a one true diet, and that is true. But if we did live in a world where everybody was perfectly healthy, mm-hmm. then what would kind of the ideal diet be? So this is my opinion. I would, oh, we didn't talk about fasting. We'll have to do like a whole Yeah, we're going to have to cover that another time. Well, an, so, so my my ideal would be paleo with fasting, like some kind of fasting protocol with paleo, like throwing fasting in like once a week or a massive, like a big fast once a month or even a more massive fast, like once every three months. Um, but my favorite that I see the most results with the most drastic healing results with is the autoimmune paleo diet. And then when their bodies start to heal, then we go more towards paleo and introduce the beans and the nuts and um, the, the eggs and, and some grains and so on and so forth. So that's, that's my favorite because it just encompasses everything. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just, the best of all worlds. I'll just echo that and add that I think, the diet out there that seems to be closest to that is the Weston Price diet. So if you want to kind of get an idea of what they recommend, you can go to westonaprice.org and they they talk about all kinds of wonderful health topics, but they have this diet that they generally recommend that is basically what Jeanique just talked about. It's mm-hmm. plenty of good vegetables, lots yeah. of good organ and uh, healthy animal products, good fats, yeah. and Beans are even okay on that. So they're, it's probably the least restrictive out there because they're more concerned with the quality of your ingredients yeah. than what the exact ingredients are. And I think that's a really important takeaway that that sourcing matters so much. Sourcing matters. Oh my gosh. Organic does matter. It does. Even though they like to tell you that it doesn't. Grass-fed, grass-fed. Studies finished. after studies show that it has higher nutrient availability. Mm-hmm. It has lower toxic residues from all of the different herbicides and exactly. pesticides they use. It's just so much better. So The farming practices, it does matter. Like where our food is coming from, where it's sourced from. Like yep. we, we, you want to make sure that you are very familiar with the farming practices around you. Like go to local farmer's markets and talk to the farmers there. Ask them about their farming practices. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really good close out for, or summary yep. for this episode today. Hopefully that was helpful guys. Hopefully that helped deconstruct um, each fat for you. And so that you can decide for yourself what does and doesn't serve you. And, and I hope that the, the common denominator was really clear. Don't you Which think? is eat high quality foods, Lots mostly plants <clears throat> and try to get more organs in. Yes. <laughs> Thanks guys. Until next time. <laughs>